Good morning. Good morning. Okay, as I kind of get set up here, um, raise your hand if you don't have a writing utensil. If you don't have a pen or a pencil or anything like that, that can make some sort of marking on paper. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you don't have a piece of paper. And Johnny will provide those things for you. Um, the reason I say that is because, and this is kind of something that I want to express to you guys, that we should make it a habit that when we, <clears throat> oh, I forgot water bottle. When we come to hear God's word, we should be ready to hear something. We should be ready for him to tell us something about himself or about what he wants us to do. And so if your boss is going to tell you something really important that you need to do, you wouldn't just kind of like be like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, and just let it go through one ear, thank you, and out the other, you're going to write it down and make sure that you have that to remember what you need to do. So this morning, we come to God's Word. I'm expecting something to happen. I'm expecting to hear from God. And so, as He says anything to you, anything small, big, whatever it is, write that down. Another thing... Um, Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 5. As you're turning there, let me say this, too. That I was asked to take time right now to tell you two things. First of all, how it came to pass that in nine days I'm going to get on a plane and travel to Niamey, Niger for the next 14 months of my life. How that came about. Uh, that's the first thing I was asked to share. And the second thing is what I'll be doing there. Those are the two things I was asked to share about. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if you want to know those two things, i got nine more days. Come talk to me. I would love to talk to you about those things. I'm going to go one thing before those two things. I'm going to go back to why. I'm going to go to the motivation behind those two things. And, and I guess a little bit of that is, that, is the how, um, but I'm going to go to the why. So, if you're in Revelation chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 6. It says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he, the Lamb, came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. And don't miss this part. Out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation and made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Let's pray. Father, we just once more come before you and ask that you would take the scales off of our eyes and let us see clearly who Jesus is. Help us, Lord, we just pray in your name.
There is no one and no thing greater than Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank you. There's no one and no thing greater than Jesus. There's no person, whether it be your spouse, your child, your parent, your friend, no possession, your car, your house, your clothes, um, your shoes. There's no um, experience, no vacation, no retirement plan, no comfort, no food. Greater than the joy that is found in knowing Jesus. There's, there's none. And so all those things that I just mentioned, people, possessions, experiences, comforts, um, those, are, those are things that we have in this life that give us joy, that give us pleasure. They're able to do those things, right? God even has given them to us as good things to enjoy. Like, those, those things are usually from God, good things for us to enjoy. Our problem is that we worship them. That we take that good thing and we bow down and serve it and say, there's nothing greater than you, my spouse, my child, my safety, my comfort. There's nothing better than this thing. That's our problem. That we worship the good things that God has given us in this life. Um... And, and kind of how does that play out? Well, we're willing to do anything. We're willing to lose anything. We're willing to do anything to preserve our pleasure in that thing. Let me say it again. We, our worship of these things is seen in that we are willing to do anything to preserve our pleasure in that thing. Anything. We might deny it with our lips, but we prove it with our lives. Um, the way we make our decisions, spend our time and energy and money, and protect our rights and comforts reveals a heart that pre- sorry reveals a heart that prefers other things to Jesus. What does it look like? It's basically saying, I would rather enjoy my family, my safety, my rights, my health, my friends, my country, my possessions, rather than enjoy Jesus. That's what it looks like. I'm guilty of it. Because that's what sin is. That's the essence of what sin is. It's looking at the glory of who Jesus is, all that he is, saying, nah, I'd rather have this to appease me. And it's the flesh, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the flesh. And, and we have the flesh on one hand, as you know, and we have the spirit on the other hand, right? And Galatians 5:17 talks about how the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. Every single day in your life that is happening. Those two things are coming into intense battle with one another, whether you realize it or not. 
And this is kind of what the flesh says. Give me anything that I can taste. Give me anything that I can touch or hear or see or experience in the physical world that will make me feel good. And it's at that point that you need to draw the sword of the Spirit, which says, no, Jesus is better than that. And you cut through the lies of Satan that are telling you something is better than Jesus. That's how you fight that. It's by telling it, no. That is not worth it. Why do you think that people lie? It's because they think, because I think that my reputation is better to have than Jesus. Or people commit adultery. Why would they do such a thing? Because they think in their head that it would be better for me to sleep with that person than to enjoy Jesus. And so the whole idea that we're trying to get here is that Jesus is better than everything. Sin undermines that and says, no, look at all these other trinkets. They're better. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. This is the part where I realize I just spent way too much time in intro. Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul writing. He says, though I, in verse 4, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. What we see in this passage is Paul giving us two columns. One hand is the gain column, and the other hand is the loss column. And if you look at verses 5 through 6, those are the things that Paul, before he came to Christ, considered gain. The things to him that gave him significance, made him feel good about himself. The things that he valued. Those were the things that Paul considered gain. Now we're going to come back to this passage, so keep your thumb in there, but turn to Acts chapter 9, if you would. Acts chapter 9. Saul is kind of going... Okay, so he's Saul at this point. He's not Paul yet. He's Saul, if you know the story. And Saul is on a rampage of just wanting to kill Christians. That's his goal in life, just to kill the Christians who are basically opposed to his idea of who God is and what true Judaism is. And so, if you look at Verse 3, you know the story. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Now turn back to Philippians and look at verse 7. I think this is... 
Verses 5 through 6 are right before that moment we just read about. And verse 7 is right here. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Paul comes in contact with Jesus, the greatest greatness, the treasure of all treasures, the one that I just said, there's nothing greater than Jesus. He comes into contact with him and he realizes all those things that were gained to me are now lost because I found him and he's so much better than all of those other things. And I want him now. And so all of a sudden, Paul's gain-loss columns are completely reversed to where Jesus isn't on the loss side anymore. He's on the gain side, and there's nothing else on the gain side except for Jesus. And all those other things are on the loss side. And it's because he has finally encountered true treasure. Um, To kind of sum up all of what I've just said, three simple words. Jesus is better. Right, Brian? Jesus is better. Bottom line. So that's kind of the first thing I want to share with you. We've got, we got three things I want to share with you this morning. That's the first one. The second one. Turn with me to Matthew 28. And hopefully what's going to happen is the first one and the second one will collide and you'll get it. So, Matthew 28, verse 18. This is soon before Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. He's just come back from the dead. And he says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Um, Guys, if you are someone who has been saved by Jesus Christ from your sins because of what he's done on the cross, then you, your life, what he has given you to do, he's given you one thing to do on the earth. He's given you a lot of things to be in your character. He's given you a lot of things to be. He's given you one thing to do while you're here on earth, and it's found right here. Make disciples of all nations. And so, kind of, kind of something I'm thinking about is like, ever since um, it kind of like leaked out what was going on in my life and like that going to Africa, um, all of a sudden people would come to me with like a lot of different questions, and they use these words that I'm not really sure I understood, and I always had to like go back and be like, well, what are we talking about here? Because unbelievers and believers alike that were saying these things, and it'd be like, oh, okay, so you're going to do a mission? You're going to do missions work, mission work? You're going on a mission trip? All these different things, and I'm like, I don't know if I can tell you yes or no, because I'm not sure what you're talking about. Like, I'm like, what? 
Guys, and, and this is so key. We have one mission, one objective, one thing to do. Make disciples. That's our one mission on this earth. It's kind of like if you had um, this big dude and he told you that he played for the New York Giants. I'm on the New York Giants football team. Oh, cool. And, like, he got all suited up, put all the pads on, threw on the jersey, you know, tied up the cleats, went out on the field, and Eli calls hike, and the dude just, like, freezes. He's a big guy. He's, a, he's an offensive lineman, obviously. So he freezes, and, you know, the dude comes and slams Eli to the ground. I'm like, dude, what? What are you doing? You're supposed to be playing the game. What are you doing? And so they're like, okay, okay. They hike it again. Same thing happens. A third time. Same thing happens. And all of a sudden, they're like, you're here to play the game. You're on the field to play the game. That's what you're here for. It would be ludicrous for that guy to tell you that he played for the, for the, for the New York Giants and then for him to assume that he's not playing the game. Right? That doesn't, that doesn't register. Like, if you're on the team, you're playing the game. We have been invited to play in the game. We've been invited to do the mission, to make disciples. We're invited to do that. And so, I'm going to Africa, yeah. You're in Brantford, yeah. We're all on the same mission. I'm just in a different place. We're all doing the same thing, making disciples. Now, what I'm going to do is a little bit different, and we're going to get to that in a second, but we're all supposed to be making disciples. And and you have even a role in what I'm doing, whether it's praying, which please pray for me, and pray for the people in Niger. Even when you stop seeing my face and I'm out of sight, out of mind, keep praying for me. But... We're all on the same mission. Here's one difference, though. Look at verse 18. Nope, I'm wrong. 19. In uh, chapter 28 of Matthew, he says, Go therefore and make disciples. And then there's a phrase. What's that phrase? Of all nations, okay? The Greek is pantata ethne, okay? When Jesus was talking... We didn't have geopolitical boundaries in the world. It wasn't like we got America, we have Italy, we have Canada, we have Belgium, we have Germany. It just wasn't like that. It wasn't, we don't have the same world structure that we have today. What Jesus was talking about is ethne, which nowadays, that's what we get ethnicity from. Ethne, ethne. So it's kind of just like groups of people who have a common affinity in culture, language, um, all these different aspects. And so, Jesus was saying, you've got to make disciples of all ethnicities. Do you remember what I pointed out in Revelation chapter 5? When I was like, get this sentence, don't miss this part. Does anyone remember? In Revelation 5, there's this scene where there's all these redeemed people standing before... Jesus singing to him a new song. And the last thing they say in verse 9 is, 
out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. That's when what Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 is fulfilled. That's what's happening there. Every nation is there, represented. And so, here's the deal. We have been invited, okay, to make disciples of all nations. If I choose not to do that, that's okay. God's going to get it done. He does not need me. He doesn't need you either. Like, he's not, like, sitting in heaven, like, wringing his hands, like, I need people to go and make disciples of all the... God's so much bigger than that. He doesn't need you. He's invited you. It's a gift. It's a privilege. Because Jesus is the greatest greatness. And so why is it different what I'm going to do? Why, why am I going to Africa? What in the world? Why am I doing that in the first place? Like, just make disciples here, Tyler. Like, I see a lot of young kids. I see a lot of people out there. Go make disciples of those people. You can check the statistics. I invite you to. Um, There are 2.8 billion people. Try to wrap your head around that number. In the world today who have little to no access to the gospel. In other words, they're going to live their life on earth, die, and go to hell without ever hearing the name of Jesus and the good thing that he has done for them in dying on the cross. 2.8 billion people. I'm not okay with that. And neither is Jesus. Because he said of all nations... So, so if we have a nation here that has the gospel, we have a nation here that doesn't have the gospel, and Jesus says, go to all nations. Okay, this nation has the gospel, so now that's why I'm moving over here, because these people don't have the gospel. We've got to get all of them in. It's kind of like this. I'll give you an analogy. If, if, you went into, if you're a fireman, you go into a blazing, hot building, okay? People everywhere on the first floor, just tons of people. Okay, you could spend all your time before the building falls down trying to save all the people on that floor. And you wouldn't even be able to get them all. But, there's about 30 more people on the second floor. And above them, there's another 15. And above them, there's another four. And on the top floor, there's one guy. Why in the world, as a fireman, would you ever go to the top floor to get that one guy? Unless your captain told you, you need to get someone from every floor. Right? Doesn't make sense. There's too many people on the first floor. I've got to do all I can to get these people. Why am I going to go to the top and waste so much energy and so much time just to get that one guy? Because my commander told me, I need to get someone from every floor. That's why you do it. And so, the reason that people go to different parts of the world is not because I don't even know it's because there are still people who are on the top floor whether it be 300 or just one and then there's a lot of people here who need the gospel I realize that and that's why you're here there's still those 
last few. Okay, last part. Acts chapter 9. Going back there. And try to finish that story. So just remember, the first part we talked about is that Jesus is the greatest greatness, right? There's nothing greater than Jesus. That's the first part. And sin opposes that by saying, no, this is better than Jesus, right? That's what the first part is. The second part is that we have a mission, one mission, okay? One thing that Jesus has given us to do while we're here on earth. Okay, what happens when these two things collide? Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read it again so that we can get a full story. It says this in verse 4. Or no, verse 3. Saul, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad, Saul. So he said, Stop right there. I'll tell you what Saul said. He falls to his knees and he's looking and he's just for the first time seeing true treasure, right? And the game and lost calm has switched and he's shaking, trembling and astonished, it says. And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yet we're willing to come to Jesus and say, I'm not doing that. You're going to call me to do that? No way. Before the words are even out of his, nope, not doing that. It's not for me. I'm not doing it. Gotta be like Saul. And maybe it's just because you haven't seen who Jesus really is yet. Because if you're putting conditions on your obedience to Him, He is not your Lord. If you're saying, I got this thing and I'm not gonna follow you because, because of this, He's not your Lord. You're not fully committed to Him. He, has, he does not have full reign over your life. He just kind of fits in when you want him to. And, and the problem is that in that is that he is not fully glorified in your life. That's, that's the major offense. That's why it's sin. And secondly, you're missing out. You're missing out. Why? Because Jesus is the greatest greatness that is. In telling Jesus, I'm not doing that, what you're saying is, whatever it is, 
that I'm going to lose in following you is not worth it. She says, listen, this thing is better to me than you. And so, guys, this is, this is where the two things collide, is that this is Jesus, the greatest greatness, and then he's given us a mission to do, a calling to do while we're here on the earth. I don't know how that looks in your life, but don't let anything prevent you from doing it. And, and, and there's a lot of fear in this. You know, that's what a lot of people have asked me recently. Tyler, are you, like, are you afraid? Honestly, no. <laughs> Why? Because I know that this is where Jesus has led me. And if he's there, then why should I be afraid? That's where Jesus is. That's where the greatest greatness is for me. So why am I going to be afraid? I'd be afraid if I wasn't obeying him. Right? I, I remember there was one night, Dan could tell you, we were in that room for Monday night prayer. And I was sitting there, and um, I still hadn't heard back from Rock International about whether or not they wanted me to come over or not. And I was sitting there, and um, just kind of looked at him like, it's coming to a point where if they, if they ask me to come, I know that I'm going to be disobedient if I don't go. I'm going to be living in sin if I don't go to Niger, Africa. Why? Because God's called me there. Please talk to me if you want to know how that happened. Yeah, it might be a little bit scary. You're letting go of all those things that make your flesh feel good. You're, you're releasing it. All those things that make you feel good. You're, you're finally letting go of them to say, Jesus, wherever, whatever, whenever... You decide, not me. And this is my challenge to you. Where, where do you take this practice? Like, okay, I'm still going to keep living my life, Tyler. <laughs> I'm not going to need shit with you. <laughs> this is my challenge to you. Before the day ends, I want you to get along with God. Before I, before I go there, let me say this. If I had a check, right? I wanted to bring one. I don't have one. If I had a check, so imagine I have a check, right? And I, and I fill in the date. I, I sign it to you. Like, I write my name to, to you, whoever you are that I'm giving the check to. And I sign it. And I give it to you. What's the one line I haven't put anything on yet? The amount, right? How much is going to cost me? I didn't put anything there. And I just gave you that. Someone did that to Dan. And they sent him a, a blank check for his Bible. Okay, someone does that. Like, why do we think that's crazy? Why would that be crazy for me to just go up to a stranger and say, Here, here's a blank check? Because they could write in anything they want, right? They could take everything from me. Before the day ends, do not neglect to get alone with God and say, here's my blank check. Whatever you want. I think that for some it's going to be a little bit harder than for others, sure. But let me just ask you this. What if God says, I want you to go talk to your neighbor about who I am? Maybe your boss. I want you to go and talk to your boss about Jesus and give them the good news. Are you willing to do that? 
You're willing to come with the approach and say, Lord, blank check, saw time, what do you want me to do? Are you willing, if God calls you, to take your family to Somalia and live among an unreached people group to give them the gospel? Are you willing? I'm not telling you you have to. Nobody's telling you you have to. But if Jesus tells you you have to, will you go? Because it's possible. It's possible. I met a family down at, at Mop a few uh, months ago, and they got, I think it's like four or five kids under 12. Dad's in his 30s. And just all of a sudden, you know what? We're moving to Peru. Because there's people there who haven't heard the gospel. Just a normal life, normal American life, and just all of a sudden we're going to Peru. Guys, God will give the grace. You give the check. If he wants you to do it, he'll prepare you. Don't worry about what it is. Just be willing to say, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. And know that in that, it's for your good. For your, your greatest good, because that's where Jesus is. Wherever he's going to lead you, that's for your greatest good. If you don't do it, you're missing out. You're really missing out. Let's pray. Father, I know that you have not called me, called us to an easy life told us to deny ourselves daily, pick up the cross, and follow you. It's not an easy life, but God, I do thank you that you have called me to a better life, where I'm not plagued by always having to do more and try harder. You've saved me from all of that. And so, God, what I pray this morning for myself and for my brothers and sisters in this room is that you would make us willing to do anything. So Lord, don't let anyone here in this room that is hearing my words right now, don't let anybody finish the day and put their head on the pillow without coming to you, Lord. I ask that. And I pray, God, that you would show them what to do and give them grace, and that they would see Jesus for who he truly is, God. We pray all these things with much thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.